Hello and welcome to the Ben Like Bamboo Resilience Show. To Ben Like Bamboo is to master change with flexibility. And on the show, I get to interview very special guests all about resilience and how to master it in our minds, in our bodies and in our lives. And on the show today, I have the lovely Paul Baguera. Did I get it right? You did that well. Yeah. <laughs> We sat here before just trying to, I wanted to pronounce Paul's surname correctly. I think I did it well. You did very well. And as I said, it's, it's a little Spanish lesson all by itself. <laughs> Love it. And um, Paul, you are um, a wonderful man and a writer, a TBC director and producer, and also a volunteer firefighter for Rye CFA. Yeah. How did you get into that? Um, that came about, I moved down to Rye about 12 years ago. And many, many years before I'd been involved in doing charity work and community work, and it was time for me to get back into something new. So moved to town, didn't really know anyone, was quite literally driving past the fire brigade and said, volunteer fire brigade. And I thought, I'm going to do that. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, who doesn't want to drive a fire truck? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's really cool. We have to, I have to join in one day because that sounds like so much fun. It, it's, it is exactly as exciting as you hope it would be. Yeah. So I met you down in Rye. Um, the people that know me well know that I've been living up there for the past few months and mutual friends of you and I um, introduced us and since then we've become very good friends. Yeah. Yeah, it's been really great getting to know you and your work and um, we are both very similar and we have a lot in common and I, I just couldn't wait to have you on the show. So thanks for coming on. Um, and it's going to be such a juicy um, show today because you've been through such an inspiring ride and I can't wait to talk all about it. So let's start with you being the writer. How did you get into that and when did that start? It's actually, it's quite a long story and it, and it plays into the whole resilience thing quite well. I... You know, I've probably always, oh, I have, I've always been a writer. I've always done it. I've always journaled. I've always written things. But I spent, quite honestly, a good couple of decades avoiding it or yeah. avoiding approaching it from a professional standpoint because I didn't think I was educated enough, didn't think I was good enough. Yeah. Who, who am I to say I can, because I love writing and I admire good writers so much. It's like, you know, who am I to say I'm a writer? So it, it quite literally took me getting to the point of having so far in my life, my one and only ever panic attack. Yeah. Realising I wasn't dying and <laughs> catching my breath and collecting my thoughts and over the following sort of week or so really thinking about what happened there. And I realised at the time I was utterly miserable because I wasn't pursuing writing and I, um, I had a choice. Uh, so I pretty much reorganised my life around starting to pursue a writing career, which in itself was terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Why? Well, you know, it's something I'm doing later in life. It's something, it's, it's a dream I had that I thought, you know what, I've let that dream go. I didn't pursue it. It's, it's never going to happen. Hmm. I've wasted my life yeah. is one of the thoughts yeah. I had. Yeah. Uh, and it, it took me sort of really committing to doing it to realise it felt like, or it felt like a, a very thin veil was pulled away from in front of my eyes yeah. and it was sitting right there. Now, the scary bit is, yes, I can do it. I can pursue it. I can, you know, try my best, but there are no guarantees. There, mm. you know, I know 
if it was the Hollywood movie version, yeah, there would be a guarantee and be a nice juicy deal at the end, but there are no guarantees. Yeah, that's right. And that's what is the scariest part about chasing your dreams, isn't it? Yeah. It's, you um, really know. yeah, I guess it's always in hindsight. It's always people go, oh, you know, that was destined or, you know, that was going to happen or, you know, you worked so hard, it was bound to occur. Yeah. But in the stories that we hear about where it does work out, there are plenty of people who pursue their dreams and, and for whatever reason they get thrown off their path or they get pushed in another direction and um, you don't hear those stories as much. What were you doing before you decided to actually do the writing? So I was, my background is in television commercial directing and corporate media directing. So I was a director and producer, editor, content maker. Yeah. And again, all of that I was doing in a bid to be involved in the industry, but actually avoiding sitting my ass in the chair and writing. Yeah, always avoiding it. Um, and thank God for that panic attack then. Oh yeah, no, it was, um, at the time it was horrendous. Uh, it was just, it was, the, it was the worst thing. And I, I, I did, I, I, I think anyone who's been through it knows you have that moment where you think you I'm dying. Yeah. You know, I'm about to drop dead in my car right now. Yeah. Uh, and look, you know, it was a, it was a revelation. Um, and it was, re it was a, a real chance to have another crack at my life. But at the same time, it was tough, you know, it was coming through that and realizing what I needed to do and what I needed to change. There was still quite a long slog ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what does resilience mean to you? Resilience for me is the ability to, to take the inevitable knocks that life's going to deliver you mm. and keep pursuing your goals anyway. Yeah. Um, it's probably something I learned a lot about from my mum. Yep. Uh, watching her bury two husbands. Mm. Yeah, okay. And her attitude to life was amazing. You know, I remember talking to her about it when I was an older teen. I said to her, you've had a pretty rough trot, how did you cope? And mum's basic attitude was, I had two beautiful loving marriages and most people are lucky if they get one. That's nice. And that, yeah, the, I, I, the, my respect for my mother went through my roof because that was her worldview. That was her, her perspective. It was like, look, this has been delivered to me. Yeah. But there was so much good that I had in that. And even though life took those things away, I'm still here and I'm still living. Yeah. And I can still have a rich life. Because it does, um, yeah, it, it, it really is that perspective, isn't it, of how you can look at, you know, adversity and when things do become difficult in our lives, when we're faced with challenges, there are, there's always those two perspectives that we can choose to look at it. And yeah, your mum sounds amazing. Well, and it's, you know, and she, the, the lesson stuck because it's, it's been... That, that pathway from me going, okay, I need to change my life and start writing to, to where I've ended up now um, has tested that resolve yeah. regularly. <laughs> I think anyone who's in a creative field knows that, you know, your life is made up of hearing the word no pretty much all the time. Yes. Like the default. The default is no. So you, you know, I, I get to the point where... Uh, I think I had my lowest point in pursuing the writing work probably last December. You know, yeah. I've written a bunch of feature film scripts. I've been in talks with managers, agents, production companies, et cetera. Nothing was happening. Yeah. Got to last December and some people I work with, you know, we had a strategy call one day and I was pretty much on the verge of tears going, am I kidding myself? 
Yeah. Am I completely wasting my time? And should I just maybe stop this right now and, you know, deal with it? And they're like, no, no, keep going, getting all this good response, you know, we'll get you there. And, you know, we had, a, they came up with some very good strategies for me, but then quite literally it turned around a few weeks later, I met with a producer who, um, who read one of my scripts, absolutely flipped out for it, loved it, requested all my work. And then this person set about finding me representation. And a couple of weeks after I spoke to her, I uh, was put on to the person who has now signed me on as my manager. Amazing. How did it feel the moment you found out that you were signed? It was quite surreal because it's something that's taken me five years. Exactly. You know, it's something I've, I've spent five years working towards. Mm. And again, you know, believing I could get there, but but also knowing there's no guarantee of that. Yeah. Will it actually happen? Will it actually happen? And I watched, you know, there's some people I'm involved with in the States who help set up these meetings and things. And I watched 150 people get signed ahead of me. So, you know, I was number 151 for this company that helps set up these meetings. And, um, and I think that's when I <laughs> realised I'd learned quite a bit about resilience. <laughs> I bet. Because to, to keep going despite feeling rejected yep. or like it's not happening yet and, and all the effort that goes into it every single day. And if you don't fall in love with the journey and we have, you know, it's okay to be, um, you know, inspired by the end goal but that's the balance isn't it being inspired by the everyday journey as well as the end goal yeah that's absolutely right it was a matter of look to do this work you have to you have to have a very strong internal sense of why you do it you know you can't be putting it onto external rewards but of course you need some kind of external recognition to help you work out are you any good at this yeah And, and can you actually get there but um, and I guess that's where, where it gets really frustrating as well because at the times where you think, okay, it may not ever happen, that's okay because I'm still going to keep doing this thing, the writing anyway. Yep. It's also a little bit heartbreaking as well because you go, I know I'm going to do it anyway. No matter how tough things get, no matter how many rejections I get, if I never get a thing produced, if I never get a thing made, I'm still going to be doing this anyway. Yeah, because you love it. We love it. Um, and it's just, tell me, what were the hard, talk me through the harder days where you felt like, you know, it, your dream, it wasn't going to happen, you know, because you wanted to get signed, you wanted to really reach that goal. Because let's explain to everybody what is the difference between being a writer that is signed and isn't? Like, what are the benefits of being signed? It's huge. So, no, I now have someone who's in my corner who's a fan of my work and whose job is to go and get me work and sell my work. Yeah. And she doesn't get paid until I get paid. Yes. It's, you know, she takes 10%. Um, and it, it, it's funny because it's, it's like being in a relationship, finding the right rep, because it needs to be someone who connects with you yeah. in terms of your work. Yeah. Uh, and you feel like, you know, understands what you're trying to achieve and can help you develop and move forward. So, look, there was times I got close prior to that. And, again, 2020 hindsight, you go, don't know if those other reps would have been as good a fit for me as my current rep. Like, she's a really good fit for me. Right. Um, you know, where it gets hard is when, you know, as any, again, as any creative, you're putting a part of yourself out into the world. Mm. 
And then you are asking complete strangers to judge it. Yep. And they'll give you their opinions on the work. But of course, because it's your work, you feel like that you are being judged as a human being. So, <laughs> because you are, you're attached to it. It's personal. It's of you. You can't help it. Totally. I mean, can we please run through that awesome creative process that you and I bonded over? Oh, yeah. Okay. So this is, it, I, and I can't remember the name of the girl, unfortunately. It's a person from the States created this beautiful little graphic. Yeah. And she just describes the creative process. And this, and, this, and I actually have it sitting at my computer as well. It's exactly this. It's, it's six stages. Yeah. And it goes, whenever you work on something, it goes, this is awesome. This is tricky. This is shit. I am shit. Yes. This might be okay. This is awesome. And I, I, I have gone through this on everything I have written. I'm actually. Totally. This morning I was floating around that this is shit. I am shit. <laughs> I'm so I totally get it. It's like, and that point where you go, oh, I'm shit. Oh, this could be good. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's. <laughs> It's um, so good. It's so it's true. Accurate. It is so frighteningly accurate. So going back to see some of the hard bits is like, you, so you put this stuff out there. So you've got it back to the, I think this is awesome. And then yeah. you put it out there. Yeah. And then someone tells you, you have an ugly baby. Like, <laughs> do you have an ugly baby? You have a baby that should never be taken out into the light of day <laughs> and locked in a cupboard. Yeah. And, and don't just spoil the world by bringing this baby out in front of people ever again. Yeah, and it's, and it's interesting because that the script that that producer latched onto, who who was a you know become a huge fan of my work, yeah. that exact same script with not a comma or full stop in a different place, yeah, was hated by other people. Other people, yeah. there's a couple of people who, who actively hated it. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's going to happen, isn't it, with everything? Don't they say a third of people will love you, a third of people will be like, yeah, okay, and then a third will hate it. Yeah, and I think that the, a part of the challenge is um, threading that needle of going, is it actually something that's not working and needs work? Yeah. Versus going, no, 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 this isn't the shape I need it to be and this person's just not responding to it. And that's yeah. that's always, there's always going to be that tension of going, do I listen to that note or do I go, no, no, maybe I don't need to listen to that note. Gosh, the belief in yourself that has to occur for that. How do you do that? Like, what do your daily rituals? Um, oh, in, in terms of the belief in myself, it's, yeah. I think I think the work itself gives you that. I think if you keep producing the work over time and you can take an honest evaluation of where you are, you will hopefully see progression. Yeah, and if you can be authentic in that, then you just know. Yeah, you know, look, you've got to back yourself, but you've also got to have the humility to say, I could be wrong on this one, or maybe yeah. that isn't working that well. So it, it, it's, and, and again, you do get some external indicators. You have, in terms of writing, you have competition entries, you have feedback from people, but you still need to balance all of that um, with, with being, yeah, true, true to yourself and being really honest with yourself. Yeah. Yeah, and to be open to suggestions and criticism and just to be... Yeah. It really does require a lot of self-love because amongst, you know, people judging your creative work that comes from you, your heart, it's like when I used to write songs and I was writing to singing, it felt the same. It felt I felt so vulnerable and so exposed sharing that creativity 
And I, when I was young, I needed everybody to love it. Everybody, which was mm. ludicrous and ridiculous now that I understand and I'm a bit older and I'm a bit wiser. Um, and even just even with the work I do now, I've learned that I don't and shouldn't need everybody to love it or like it because not everybody will need it either. And, no, and, it's, and I think it's part of that artistic process of going, um, understanding very clearly what you're trying to achieve. Mm whatever piece of work that you're producing. And as long as you've achieved your goals and you have worked to your best and you've developed as an artist, yeah. then you know what? It actually doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Of course, it's nice if other people like it, but that's not right. the point. Yeah. The, point you know, is the point is, am I growing as an artist? Am I um, being true to what I want to say? And you're really passionate about helping other artists believe in themselves, aren't you? Yeah, we've got, I've got a, 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 an ambition to start a foundation yep. that will ideally work with um, people in regional areas who wish to break into having a writing career or showing them a pathway and providing resources for people to think, you know what, this is something I could do. I came from a coal mining town yep. um, and, and I had a great education and a great family, but that environment and where I lived... Um, writing wasn't a career option and, yeah. there was no, and there was no pathway and I guess this is the hard this is the hard thing even now with starting a writing career everybody's journey into that career is completely different it's not like you can go medicine's a great example you go into the degree you go into the residency you become a doctor and it's great it's a clear process you can follow and you know what the outcome is going to be every single person who's got themselves ripped and broken into the screenwriting industry has a completely different path. Mm. And what works for one person isn't necessarily going to work for someone else. True. True, true. How do you set up your days to be um, creative in your writing? I, I know my process. Um, I know how I work. And so there's two parts to my process. One is don't fetishize the writing. So you get some people who go, I'll write when I have a nice studio with the view of the ocean and my feather quilled pen and my 120 GSM paper and someone serving me chai tea. It's like, I can write anywhere. I can write on anywhere. I can write on anything. My favourite tool is um, is a fine line pen yeah. and the paper and I'm off and racing. Yeah. Um, the other side is treating it um treating it like a blue collar job. I actually had someone ask me this morning, they said, oh, we'll talk about saying, you know, do you write when you're inspired? And I say, no, I write all the time and then inspiration catches up. Yeah, cool. So I don't wait to be inspired. I sit down pretty much each morning. I start by about 7, yeah. 7.30. I'm journaling and doing sort of like warm-up pages. Yep. And then I'm back at the computer or wherever I happen to be and I'm writing for a good solid half day. Yeah. Uh, and then usually my head's turning to porridge a little bit by then. Yeah. I'll take a break and uh, do whatever else for the rest of the day. But I, I prioritise the writing, even though I'm not paid for it or I haven't been paid for it, I prioritise that and go, that has to happen first in the day for me. What kind of things are you writing for, particularly your manager now? I love this. I love <laughs> when we were celebrating, it was like, you're managed. Yeah. yeah. I, managed. I, um, <laughs> I write 
I'm, I mean, you know, I'm a naturally cheery person who likes to write really dark stuff. So I'll write crime thrillers, psych thrillers, horror, yeah. you know, the, 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 the sort of the, the darker parts of human behaviour mm. fascinate me. Cool. Uh, and it's an area I really enjoy writing in. So, you know, I'm never going to write a rom-com. I just, it's, it's not in me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I, I'm I'm just fascinated by exploring um, how we tick and what makes people uh, do things to their detriment when it would be so much easier not to. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. That's very important. Um, do you have a favourite masterpiece, writing piece or book that inspires you maybe when you were younger or even now oh god um i threw that in well, there sorry yeah i wasn't ready for that one um, <laughs> i just kind of thought of it in the moment it's like, well it's actually no I, I do maybe not so much a single piece but i was very very heavily influenced by the writers george orwell and aldous huxley okay. um when i i got onto them in high school and when i finished high school i made a point of reading everything i could get my hands on that they'd written and they even though it's not so obvious in my work, it's it's always in the background, uh, the kind of work they did. Mm. Um, current writer, a guy called James Elroy, who's an American crime writer. Yeah. He's probably had a very big influence on my writing style. Cool. Uh, and because that's, that's the other thing you sort of got to work on over time. And again, your artistic side is about finding your voice yeah. and how do you express yourself and how are you creating something that is uh, undeniably yours. It's a personality, isn't it? Yeah. What's the thing? One of the things I love about reading is that you know when you when you're reading something that's well written, you really get to get a sense of how that person thinks. Mm. Like it's to me, it's such an interesting insight into that writer's thinking and how they see the world. I, I it's, you know, that's why I love it. That's beautiful. That's very true. So. You know, prior to diving into your dream, you know, of writing full time, you know, you were doing other work, which, um, you know, in the TV world and, and then you decided you had a panic attack. And then, you know, as a kinesiologist, I understand that panic attacks are when there's a built up, built up energy of something that's unresolved within yourself or something you're not looking at that's out of mm. your awareness. And so that came up. And then you, you dove into it and you loved doing it, but it just felt like every day where you really going to get to that goal where you wanted to be a pro writer, which, you know, entails being managed and being able to get, you know, your writing out into scripts and, you know, maybe even made into movies one day. So having gone, and now you're managed, you achieved it. So having yeah. gone through all of that and the resilience required to keep going, what did you learn and how is your life better um, having gone through it? I learned, oh, I learned a lot. Um, I, I think one thing when I was younger, I probably, like a lot of people, perhaps took my thoughts and feelings a little bit too seriously. Mm -hmm. So I've gotten a lot better at just recognising that when big or difficult emotions are coming up or there's thoughts going on that aren't that helpful that don't, worry about it just let them be they'll come and they'll go yeah um, particularly actually one thing that i, that I really learned 
recently and stuck with me and I don't still think about it a lot is the fact that, you know, our brain, its function is to generate thought. You are never going to stop it from generating thought. And so many of the thoughts it generates are completely useless to you, if not detrimental. Yeah. So don't worry about it. Just let it do its thing yeah. and get on with what you're doing anyway. Yes. So um, this morning was a great example. Yesterday I had a bit of a, not a great, a bit of a bit of a down patch with some of the work and I just woke up and I was feeling a bit weird about some of the stuff I was working on and I recognised what was going on and I went, doesn't matter, just go and sit down and write. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, those feelings passed, those thoughts went away yep. and those thoughts aren't an objective truth. They're just thoughts. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's what I mean by perhaps taking them too seriously when I was younger where I saw them as a truth or a reality. It's like, no, it's just a thought. passing moment yeah let it go and then it transforms into something else yeah and it's been a big it's been i think the last five years of this journey has prepared me for the next five or ten because yeah i'm going to go through just as much rejection (laughs) and and heartbreak yeah now i mean yes I, i now have someone on my team i have someone that's you know backing me and believes in me uh but you know just got to do the work. Just got to keep doing the work. Absolutely true. Because even you're in the game now more than ever, but it still requires doing the work. And maybe we need that long period of uh, resistance to build the resilience that's preparing us for the next stage. And you wouldn't have been ready, would not have been ready for this next stage had you not gone through um, the pressure that builds up trying to believe, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? And it would have taught you discipline. Yeah, you learned how to control your emotions and your thoughts, like you just explained, and maybe that's what had to happen before this next stage manifested for you. Yeah, and I think a really key thing is you can't think your way into resilience. I love that. Why not? You know, <laughs> well, because you have you have to. It's it's an active thing. Resilience is an is an Action. active process. So you have to endure what for you are difficult and painful things. Everyone's level of pain and difficult is different. That's completely fair enough but you know it doesn't get it's like a muscle it doesn't get built if you're not facing adversity yes yeah. so when you face adversity and you know we said earlier you know, uh, we talked about choice resilience is a choice and it's i think you get better at it uh the more you exercise it yeah when everything's falling apart around you or not going your way you have that moment of choice of going um am i going to keep pushing through and i think this is the other thing is i it's not that things don't hurt you and upset you still. And it's not that things, you know, might feel objectively crap or not. Mm. Um, you're still going to have those thoughts. You're still going to have those feelings, but you just need to keep going anyway. It's like that old saying of, you know, courage isn't the absence of fear. It's acting in the face of fear. Yeah. Um, resilience, I think, is similar in that it's not, you're never going to, I don't think you ever reach a point of going, I'm bulletproof from whatever rejections I get are just going to bounce off me because I'm resilient. It's like, no, it's still going to hurt like hell, but resilience is what's going to pick you up and keep you moving forward. Yeah, it's who you become in those moments when you keep going anyway. Yeah. And that builds that inner thermostat within us where we learn how to believe in ourselves. It's probably a bit of a positive upward spiral because you go through those things, Mm. you persevere, you feel better as in yourself about having done that. You face the next thing. You've had a bit of history. You go, I can do this. You persevere again. 
it becomes a bit of a bit of an upward spiral. I love that upward spiral. That's really cool. So, what would you tell your twenty-year-old self with what you know now? Don't take your thoughts and feelings so seriously. Yeah, that's so golden. Yeah. yeah. Don't doesn't do not doesn't mean you invalidate them. You just put them in their correct place. Yeah. You know, it's just a thought, it's just a feeling, it's okay. Other ones are going to come along shortly. Whenever I go through those um, moments, I realise that I'm either stuck in the past or overanalyzing the future and I bring myself back into the present moment simply by staring at a tree or an animal or Henry, my dog's eyes, or um, uh, I'll journal or meditate. Yeah, well, I think, I think anything that anchors you is, mm. I think, and nature, nature is really good for that. Living down the coast is great for that because I grab the dog, yep. go for a walk on the beach and just focus on looking at what can I actually see? Like what yep. is right here in front of me? Yep. And, and again, as someone, you know, who's as good an overthinker as the next person, um, I get it. It's hard. You get caught up in your head and you're off into the future or you're off into the past and yep. you think you're not there, but you are. And then you get angry at yourself and it's, it, it, just keep trying to come back. Yeah. So just keep trying to come back to where you are. Um, let it feel uncomfortable. Mm. Let it feel a bit painful, but just keep coming back to where you are and trust that that'll move on. Yeah. And when we find that inner wet anchor within us, like a tree that is anchored, that's how we become more flexible. And then we're more creative and innovative and we can see more solutions around us the more flexible we become. But I'll tell you what, to, to master stuff like this and to really go for your dreams, it requires courage. It requires courage to become successful and it requires courage to you know, continue every day while, you know, I, I made a good point before, if I do say so myself, I made a good point that you've really got to fall in love with the journey yeah. as well as the end goal. And only because that's something I'm working on this week with my coaching that I have um, for all this kind of stuff and I realized that some of my goals are quite long-term that may not be achieved for at least three years and so yeah. if I'm constantly focused on that end goal every day I feel unsuccessful right, and so I'm just going to point out for a lot of people three years isn't long term it might be midterm you know? <laughs> <laughs> and for an Aries like you and I it's long term <laughs> there's the the famous FDR quote which I know Brene Brown's referenced a lot um, and I'm going to paraphrase it and brutalize it badly but that whole idea of you know it's not the critic who counts it's the person in the arena and I think that's a really really critical thing I, I mm. you know when I set out on this journey and when okay I'm going to do this I'm going to write I'm going to have, really have a crack at building a career here mm. at the in the back of my head was always the thought that and it doesn't matter what happens because at least I was in the arena correct and anyone else that's in the arena with you uh, are going to be loving and supportive people that are that have your back. You know, yeah. typically they are, um, and typically, yeah, the criticism can be, yeah. Except, what? of course, you would experience criticism with people that are in the arena because they're writers too, commenting on your work. But that, but that's the great. Well, that, that that's the lovely thing about writers, and once you sort of find your writing community and writing writing tribe, which I, I fortunately have. Yeah. Um, you're never going to get better support than what you get from there because they're all going through it too. Yeah. They know yeah. exactly what it's like and they face the same challenges you're facing and you'll face challenges that they will then face. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a 
it's a really nice community. I love that. And so that's why you wanted to create a foundation, which is really inspiring. How is it that you're going to help um, people, particularly that are living rural, to, to find this pathway into a career of writing? Look, it's, there's, there's a, a bunch of thoughts rattling around in my head. It would be a mix of, you know, I'd like it to get to the point where we can offer stipends or, or grants for people to take the time to go and write, yep. as well as providing education uh, and not so much writing craft education. There's plenty of stuff out there around that. More career-oriented and more how do you have a career in this field so that it's, there's, you know, people can engage with the foundation and go, there is stuff here that's showing me a viable path to, to have this as a potential option to pursue as a career. Yeah. It's up there with being, you know, it's up there with anything that you could, else you've shown in careers day or in school going, yeah, that is an option. I could do that. Yeah. I think it's great. I think it's really inspiring and, you know, good on you for the work that you do and congratulations for hitting a pretty big milestone. Yeah, look, it, it, it is. It's, it's, it was it was an awesome feeling to be able to go, I've now reached that step. Uh, but I think I said to someone the other day, it's, this is a marathon and it's like I've just got to the first water station, which is great. You know, I've got that little refreshing hit of water. Yeah. Still, still plenty of the race to go. There's more to go, but you're ready now. You're yeah. Ready. And that was the whole point. Thank you so much, Paul, um, for sharing your journey. And I know you're going to inspire a lot of people that are going to be listening to keep going no matter what. Just keep going. Stay focused on your why, on your goal, and find a way to just fall in love with the journey and you'll get there. You'll and, and so I just want to add one thing there is, and, you know, if you're having a down day, that's all right. Yeah. If you're having a moment of being full of self-doubt and self-loathing and, it's okay. You're not going to be upbeat about this the whole time. It's simply not possible. Yeah. It's in those moments, recognise them for what they are. Yeah. Um, have a bit of a laugh about it and then get on with it. Yeah. And it will move into something else and it, it will become creative inspiration and that polarity that then brings in, you know, the joyful processes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Paul. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. All right. Well, everyone, no matter what you are going through, you can overcome it and discover what you are made of. All right. See you guys next time. Bye.